Whether he'd let the stove upstairs go out and was forced to venture down here, unless he was as quiet as the spring grass growing, he had to face this ordeal. Ah, Mr. Shostakovich! There was, as usual, unholy satisfaction in the greeting. I could tell from the footsteps bumbling over my ceiling that it was you. Irina Barinova! He tried to sound as if he'd been lost in his own world. This was, after all, the behaviour she wanted to see in him, an artistic vagueness rendering him useless as a neighbour and a human being. A very good morning to you. Good morning, repeated Irina Barinova, managing to sound both reflective and sharp. Is it still morning? Her voice rose and so did her wizened hand floating up to the front of her frayed green cardigan. It was far more genteel to patch old clothes than to buy garish new ones. She rummaged inside her dress. Ah, she said again, and this time the triumph was unmistakable, cutting a path through the steamy air. In fact, Mr. Shostakovich, it is already afternoon. He bit his tongue with irritation and tasted blood. Shit, he muttered. He watched silently as old Irina Barinova displayed, with slightly shaking hands, her father's gold watch, a reminder of better days. Goodness, he said, is it really afternoon? No wonder our stove had gone out by the time I woke up. Irina shoveled the heavy watch and chain back into her sprigged cotton dress. The slipping of the links, the slow, inexorable disappearing, reminded Shostakovich of a boat casting off its moorings. And again, with the lurch of his stomach, he thought, Where's Nina? You've been burning the midnight oil, I expect, said Irina. What it must be to have genius. Now that she'd exposed him as a shameless bohemian, a no-good father, and a husband who let the family stove go out, she became flattering. It was all part of the routine. Get on with the show, thought Shostakovich. He longed to leave, but his stomach was empty, and his porridge had not yet boiled. Irina looked at him almost coyly from under white eyelashes. To think that Dmitri Shostakovich should be living in my house, Leningrad's most famous son, living here under the roof of my dear deceased father. Shostakovich ducked his head. This sort of talk made his stomach twist. All this, she waved a twig-like arm, once it all belonged to my father, from the attic to the basement. Yes, I know. You've told me that 365 days of the year, for as many years as a donkey's ears are long. He stabbed the porridge with a wooden spoon. Once we had maids and cooks. Yurina sighed heavily. Now it's a house full of strangers. Shostakovich stared at the porridge, willing bubbles to appear. Speaking of maids, said Irina, swooping swiftly back to the present, where is your Fenya? I haven't seen her for days. Fenya is visiting her parents. He whipped the pan off the stove. Suddenly undercooked oats seemed immensely appealing. Therefore I make my own porridge. Well, what about Nina? How is dear Nina? 
Shostakovich dropped the spoon and porridge splattered over his shirt front. I saw her going out early this morning, mused Irina, with the children. I believe they were carrying travelling bags. Perhaps they're also visiting relations. Shostakovich skirted around the table, knocking his head once more on the light bulb. For a small person, Irina Barinova was remarkably adept at blocking escape routes. You really must excuse me, he gestured slightly wildly with his saucepan. Nothing worse than cold porridge for breakfast. Breakfast? Irina raised her wizened hand once more to her breast. My father was washed and shaved and had taken a turn around the park before his breakfast, which was served in the red room at eight o'clock sharp. He took the stairs two at a time. The empty apartment was no longer unsettled.